Good day, good day, good day, everybody. It is Brian, April 8th, 10.06 Eastern Standard Time. Just uh, listening to random stuff here. I thought I'd post this as a podcast because I love conspiracy theories. Some of them are BS. And even if they're BS, they're just awesome being creative. Um. So I posted the details on my chat server, private chat server, I might add. It's free. Just go over to sign up at uh, quantlabs.info and go there to find out what I say in detail regarding this podcast. I'm not going to go into too deep here with it. Um, probably th people think I'm uh, off the deep end if I went deep on it. But all I can tell you if it's not true or true, it don't matter because when I'm looking at uh, oil, because this is going to affect oil, um, and uh, just loan, just just so everybody knows, I am on TradingView. I'm digging that platform. The more I use it, uh, I'm I'm really kind of liking some of the also some of the ideas I see on there. Some of the streams. Uh, some of them are a little uh, over the top, but uh, I think a good chunk of them are pretty good. And uh, I'm just going to I'm just looking for oil right now. Um, probably going to look at USO might be my better. My better. Uh, yeah, US oil ETF. OK, so that probably be the most logical. So United States Oil Fund, uh, Capital Com, and I'm going to pull out the weekly chart here. So April, what's the date here? We've got April, sorry, end of March. No, end of March. Yeah, it jumped. Oil, this, this ETF jumped from $70 to quite a bit. Uh, all I could tell you, it's just jumped. Um, it doesn't look like I can tell the, the amount here, but it's a $70. Uh, oil, oil may continue to jump up. I'm looking at here. Uh, so for instance, March 20th, $58. And as I said, it's gone up to uh, $70 now. Part of the reason is because OPEC has decided to cut production. Uh, as you know, there's part of the de-dollarization going on. There's also how China, uh, I don't know what you call it, in a sneaky way, have have just made deals between uh, Iran and Saudi. If that pans out, uh, they've been working with Russia to put together a peace deal there in the Ukraine. So China's really going at it. But where the pivot of all this may come in is what Saudi does and the OPEC does. So what they did was. They announced a while back that they're going to cut production. And the question is, why would that happen? And what's the impact? And where's that going to go? So when you listen to all of this, is this leading to something bigger? Because I didn't know this, but with a petrodollar, which is the U.S. dollar from the 70s, part of the deal that it became petrodollar was when the U.S. would militarily protect Saudi Arabia. 
as long as they use the U.S. dollar as part of the global trading system. And that's why one of the huge reasons why the U.S. has become a very big player globally now since the 70s, even though they were uh, getting bigger up until the 70s. But what really changed the U.S. as a global uh, reserve currency that really solidified was the petrodollar because anyone that wanted oil, anyone that wanted to be part of the OPEC had to trade in U.S. dollars. So as we know that that de-dollarization uh, is happening where Saudi is selling oil to China, the biggest uh, source now for demand of oil is uh, in China one. Uh, there's also China is importing a lot of um a lot of uh, oil from Russia. I believe that's being sold in Juan. Uh, and India as well is getting in the game. And uh, Brazil uh, just uh, mentioned uh, a while back, a week ago or so, how they're going to be part of this pact. And then there's, of course, South Africa and, and India. So these are big, big countries. But the real question is, as they de-dollarize, as I said, there's been some uh, conspiracy theories, well, well, which they are, if if they're true or not. But at the end of the day, I'd be loading up on anything oil as a price I just gave you. So um, let's see here. I'm going to open up now. Some people love Zero Hedge. Some people don't. But this is from Zero Hedge in terms of uh, April 5th on Wednesday. The headline is, again, Zero Hedge, global bankruptcy already baked in. So what does that mean? Is there, well, let me just read it to you. Scrape away the complexity and every economic crisis and crash boils down to the precarious asymmetry between collateral and debt secured by that collateral collapsing. Um, it's really as simple in an era of easy credit, both creditworthy and marginal borrowers are, are suddenly able to borrow more. So remember, we're going back into 2008, and a lot of analysts or and whatnot have been calling for this bubble of everything, um, not just debt, but just so much. This flood of new cash seeking a return fuels red-hot demand for conventional assets considered safe investments. Uh, real estate, blue chip stocks, and bonds. Those are, all of them are kind of tanking. Demand of which, given the limited supply of safe assets, pushes valuations of assets to the moon. In the euphoric atmosphere generated by easy credit and soaring asset valuation, some of the easy credit sloshes into marginal investment. Farmland that is only briefly productive if it rains enough, for example, high speculative ventures based on sizzle rather than stake, and outright frauds passed off as legitimate surefire opportunities. So a good example of high-risk speculative ventures are startups, okay? Startup capital, venture capital pouring into uh, into the, these high-risk speculative ventures is a great example, or private equity is another one. And 
outright frauds passed off as legitimate surefire opportunities. Think Silicon Valley Bank. I mean, was it a scam? I don't know, but there's a lot of fishy things going on there. So continuing on, this self-reinforcing feedback appears highly virtuous in the expansion phase. The gasling land, the grazing land brought to put under the plow just doubled in value so the owners can borrow more and use the cash to expand their purchase of more grazing land. Right. So if you have something and you borrow against it, uh, a portfolio like what Elon Musk would do to borrow more money against his portfolio, because what, 80% of his wealth, or I don't know, it's a high percentage of his wealth is just purely in the value of uh, the stock that he owns of uh, Tesla. So if that suddenly collapsed, his net worth collapsed as well. But at the end of the day, he's able to use the uh, the uh, net worth of uh, the uh, the uh, the debt. I'm uh, sorry, of the stock that he has, and uses that as collateral for more money and more loans. This is one example here. The same mechanism is at work in every asset: home, commercial, real estate stock and bond. The more asset gains in value, the more collateral becomes available to support more credit. When I was a kid learning economics, we'll call it economics 101, at least in Canada back in the time, we're going back in the mid, late 80s, where basically it was, was that for every dollar, physical dollar cash in the economy, there was about $10 of credit available per dollar in the economy. That's how leveraged it was back then. How much leverage is out there? I don't know. Um, but I'm sure people can look that up. So let's talk about this in article again. The illusion of safety. Since there's plenty of collateral to bake back up loans, both borrowers and lenders see the profitable expansion of credit as safe. The safety is illusory as it's resting on an unstable pile of sand. I call it house of cards. Bubble valuations driven by easy credit. We all know that price is set by what somebody will pay for the asset. What attracts less attention is price. It's also set by how much somebody can borrow to buy the asset. So as I said earlier, once the borrower has maxed out their ability to borrow, their income and assets owned cannot support more debt. So true there. It's like leverage. If, if you have $100,000 income and you borrow $300,000, you're now leveraged three times. Um, and that's all fine when everything goes up in value and suddenly it dries up, which we are possibly, well, I think we are entering in this stage. We have got a problem. That's where uh, commercial real estate right now is at. 20% vacancy, 40% vacancy, all because of this uh, global sickness. Credit conditions tighten, which has been happening, than most who might have paid even higher prices for assets had they been able to borrow more money can no longer borrow enough to bid the asset higher. Exactly. So, so that dries up. Since the price is paid on the margin or leverage, you wouldn't even call it, by the last sale, the normal churn of selling is enough to push valuations down, which is going on right now with real estate. At first, the euphoria is undented by the decline, but as credit tightens, interest rates rise and lending standards tighten, 
cutting off marginal buyers and ventures. Then buyers become scarce and skittish sellers proliferate. So um, it's just like in the housing market. Uh, people's mortgages are going up once they renew. And then there's also the threat of a lot of people losing their jobs. But as I've said before, not just jobs anymore, it's careers. I mean, with this chat GPT thing and beyond that on the intelligence front, like how much more these things can get more intelligent. As I said, uh, we know Amazon's been getting rid of a lot of warehouse workers because of the bot company that they bought. Or um, also there's there's uh, Walmart now doing the same thing. Uh, McDonald's just went through a huge layoff well, they shut down the office, and now they just announced that they're laying off. This is at their core um, head office locations. But imagine the franchises, or the franchisees. Now, uh, I think it was in Texas, they they have a, a basically a building, a McDonald's, and you can buy a burger and a set of fries uh, with eventually a fully mechanized uh set of processes that will be able to make your food, take your payment, and on your way you go in, in a self-drive through. That's the world we live in or moving towards. Questions about fundamental valuations arise. Sky high valuations are found wanting as tightening credit reduces sales, revenue, and growth. Once the endless growth story ends, the claim claims that bubble prices are fair value evaporate. And that's where we're on that on that uh, precipice right now. As as uh, defaults rise, lenders are forced to tighten credit further. The first tumbling rocks are ignored, but eventually, and and those first tumbling blocks are bank collapses like SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, or Silver Bank, or Credit Suisse, and maybe soon Deutsche Bank. We don't know. Um, so the tumbling rocks are ignored, but eventually the defaults trigger a landslide. That's what the big worry is right now. And the big worry is commercial real estate and the credit inflated bubble in asset valuations collapses. All right. So this is a long, uh, two sections still. Um, so the inevitable landslide. Okay. So this is where we're moving towards now as defaults rise. Lenders are forced to tighten credit further. The first tumbling rocks are ignored, but eventually the defaults trigger a landslide and the credit inflated bubble in asset valuation collapses. As valuations plummet, so do the collateral backing the new debt. Debt that appeared safe is soon exposed as a potential push into insolvency. When the bungalow doubled in value from 500K to a million, the trajectory of valuation gains looked predictably rosy. Uh, every decade, housing prices went up 30% or more. So originating a mortgage for 800K on a house that looked to be worth 1.3 million in a few years looked rock solid safe. That's the assumption. That's the assumption. As long as people have jobs, a lot of people have careers, the market conditions are good, economic conditions are good, we assume that. Now the collateral is 300000 less than the mortgage. The owner who made a down payment of 200 k will be wiped out by forced sale at 500 k and the lender for the owner of the mortgage will take a $300,000 loss. 
Given that the banking system is set up to absorb only modest incremental losses, losses of this magnitude render the lend, uh, mag, losses of this magnitude render the lender insolvent. The lender's capital base is drained to zero by the losses and then pushing a negative worth by continued losses. Collateral collapses when bubbles pop, but the debt loan against the now phantom collateral remains. That's when you start getting a lot of personal bankruptcies. And probably eventually a lot of bank banks will collapse as well because they can't handle the onslaught of negative or maybe eventual defaults. And again, that's just assuming this is talking residential. And, and the big one, the big one is really commercial real estate. Um, so there's that. Now, coming back to what I said as well regarding the conspiracy, this is all fact. Okay, there's no doubt on what I what I just uh, read to you from Zero Hedge is fact. But the other thing that is worrying is that as the de-dollarization continues, um, what will happen is the um, the de-dollarize. Uh, there might be, as I said, there's a conspiracy, and this is not really the conspiracy. But uh, if Saudi, as I mentioned earlier, decides to do a cut in oil, which I already gave you the, the response over the last little while, is how do we know that's not by design? How do we know that that's not part of a bigger plan to essentially uh, have a way to destabilize the dollar first? What happens if Russia did something? What happens if China did something? What happens if all the um, bondholders, foreign bondholders, wanted to sell all their uh, holdings in U.S. Treasury and government bonds, wanted to sell and flood the market all at once. What would happen to the U.S. dollar? Should that happen? The conspiracy theorists say, yeah, it could. Um, and what, how, how would the uh, U.S. government be able to respond to that? What would happen to the U.S. dollar? Um, what would happen to the U.S. financial system? So could that happen? I'm not saying yeah or no, but think about it. If it did, uh, it'd be way worse than what happened in 1929. Um, and uh, it's something that, that could be a probability. That's the conspiracy. Again, you can go to my uh, private chat server, quantlabs.info, and uh, uh, get more info on that and the links. But I'm not going into more details on that. So continuing on with this Sierra Hedge article, says, this is the story of the Great Depression, a story that's unloved because it calls into question of the current series of credit, and it says here, current series of credit-inflated bubbles and resulting financial crisis. So the story is reworked into something more palatable, such as the Federal Reserve made a policy error. We've already heard about the evil witch at the Treasury, Yellen, again saying, oh, uh, and I kept, I keep saying this, inflation's transitory, inflation's transitory for over a year. I mean, people are not able to afford stuff. Oh, sorry, that's an error. I, I apologize. Yet she still has a job. This encourages a fantasy that if central banks choose the right policy, 
Threaded bubbles and valuations detached from reality can keep both expanding forever. The reality is credit bubbles always pop as the expansion of borrowing eventually exceeds the income and collateral of marginal borrowers and the tsunami of cash eventually pours into marginally high-risk speculative ventures that go bust. One of them that I keep hammering away on are, are, are startups. I just heard that one startup uh, just sold off very quickly at a very fire sale rate because the venture capitalists are not responding. The investors aren't responding. And that's the general market of that industry. So uh, continuing along, there's no way to thread the needle so credit asset bubbles never, never pop. Yet, here we are, watching the global everything bubble, as I said earlier, start collapsing, guaranteeing the collapse of collateral and all the debt issued on that collateral. And the rabble is arguing about what policy tweaks are needed to reinflate the bubble and save the global economy from bankruptcy. As I said, once you moved off the gold standard, you have now basically lived a whole economy built on derivative and a house of cards credit system. And that's why we're where we're at. And now it's even worse when you have certain political bent politicians that decide to take their credit card called the financial, uh, sorry, the Federal Reserve and spend like drunken sailors. And here we are, $31 trillion later. And of course, they keep kicking that wonderful can down the road, trying to not uh, regarding the debt, the, the debt ceiling. It's, it's a joke. Um, sorry, but global bankruptcy is already baked in. Too much jet has piled on phantom collateral and income streams derived from bubble asset rising, for example, capital gains, development taxes, etc. Let me talk about um, apparently, and again, these are just vi uh, videos and whatever else, but apparently there is a record of bank withdrawals from banks. A lot of people especially in the upper echelons of society that the the woo people with money um, are taking money out of the banking system. They don't trust it. They don't feel safe. So where they put it, as I said before, they're putting it into the money markets and the money markets are at um, basically at uh, $5 trillion value. And uh, a lot of them are buying very, very, very short-term uh, treasury. Uh, and uh, I've seen it. It looks pretty volatile uh, when you look at the, the charts. Anyways, um, so that's what's going on now. And they also think that the FDIC, the Federal, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corp, that will insure up to a quarter million dollars. They, as far as I know, the, the, the number I heard is 180 billion to cover whatever banking losses there are banking collapses they may not be able to cover about one percent of all the bank all the all the bank deposits that they're mandated to cover the other thing is as i said with the 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 commercial real estate at 20 trillion 
and I believe the residential is 60 trillion. I'm not sure if that's correct or not, but we're going into the trillions of dollars. And how, you tell me, how is the government expected to cover those people? You can't, right? And when you look at those numbers versus where they were in 1929, when the global depression kicked in, um, yeah, you, you've got to worry. So let me let me finish up this this article here. Um, symmetry is now so extreme that even a modest decline in asset valuation collateral, due to a garden business cycle recession of tightening financial conditions, will trigger the collapse of everything bubble and the mountain of global debt resting on the windblown sands of phantom collateral. The choice of words here are quite good. There are persuasive reasons to suspect that global debt far exceeds the official uh, level around 300 trillion. Oh. Most saliently, the largely opaque shadow banking system, and some say, well, that's hedge funds and money markets. I think that was defined by Yellen. I can't remember. Anyways, I might be off on this, but. Just to give you an idea, when assets roughly double in a few years, bubble symmetry suggests that valuations will decline back to the starting point of the bubble in roughly the same time span. Uh, resulting erosion of collateral collapse the global credit bubble, a repricing reset that will bankrupt the global economy financial system. Okay, so... I talked about oil. That's a solution right there to go into. Uh, I've given you the numbers. I've given you the reasons why, because of this uh, setback. I do think there will be some demand for oil. Uh, China doesn't look like they're, they're reopened, but their economy just doesn't, it's not moving. Uh, India, same. Uh, they're booming. But uh, I just don't know why their 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 uh, stock market uh, seems to be kind of flat from the charts that I've seen. Anyways, um, what are some of the other solutions? I think this is going to line up Bitcoin uh, in the long run. But again, here last sentence in this article from Zero Hedge: repricing reset. That's why they're going after Bitcoin. That's why they're going after crypto, because they don't want people to have that out as an alternative to move into. Um, and uh, when you look at the new Fed, Fed now uh, uh, payment system that the U.S. government's bringing out and going live in July, that's not very far away. We, like we're April, May, June, three or four months away when something big could happen with this so-called collapse. Um, and I, I've already explained what could happen specifically for the U.S. So I hope people are financially getting in on it. I've already posted a really good stock. It's a gold royalty on my, my on trading view. And I normally don't post stuff like that. Um, I just don't really need to, but I'm doing it just to test the reach of TradingView. So far, I'm not doing it again. That was my best, best stock pick out of 7,000 since Thursday. 
Uh, and there's some other ones that I've just put up from all my members. And again, and this is another thing too, I'll be moving up that price, monthly price, for my membership as well. So that's going to go up about 50%. That's a good solution as well. So if you want, um, just join my uh, my email list at quantlabs.net slash books. Um, also, as I said, if you want to know more about the details on this, this uh, conspiracy, it's an interesting one. And look, whatever side you are when it comes to this global medicine business, um, there could be a same level uh, that could really, really impact you financially um, with this uh, potential operation. It's called an operation. And uh, as I said, you can get kind of some interesting links on it. Um, on my private chat server. Okay. And I'm I'm not, I'll just say one more thing about it. Just go to quantlabs.info for that. But where it um uh what you want to look for online is something called this is the conspiracy called Operation Sandman or Project Sandman and it involves Saudi Arabia and the Mideast. Okay. So look that up there again. Thanks for listening. And as I said, go go to quantlabs.info on the chat server. You want to find out more about it or uh, join my email list or both quantlabs.net slash books. If you want to know more, I'm loading up on oil. I think um, I'm just checking the numbers again. They're looking pretty good. As I said, just just an ETF again, March 20th. This is USO. March uh, 20th, it was at $58, and now it's at $70. You do the math. That's a quite a very big return. All right, so we'll leave it at that, and then go again to my trading view. Uh, look for Quant Labs Net uh, there, and you'll be able to get my latest post on the ETF. Sorry, I don't know. It's not an ETF. It's a stock, but it's a gold royalty, man. That thing is moving. Um, let me look it up just to give you an idea on um, that that number there. Um, so uh, they're based out of Quebec. Um, pulling up the six months, so it was at uh, ten bucks, and now it's gone up about uh, forty. Ooh, more than that. About uh, it's at sixteen bucks. So since November till now it's $16, uh, it's moved and it's gold related and it's a royalty on top of that. So you get paid just no different than a dividend. It's a nice one to have, I think. Anyways, we'll leave it at that. Thanks for listening and we shall talk to you later.